I want you to think about the number 12. More specifically, I want you to think about 12 years. 12 years, that's, that's from first grade to senior year in high school. That's, that's a lot of growth. For a parent, 12 years, that is putting them on the bus the first time and then watching them walk down the aisle and receive their diploma. That's adulthood. In many ways, 12 years can seem like nothing. I mean, that happens in a heartbeat. You turn around and your kids are grown up. But in other respects, 12 years seems like a, a long time. Did you know the average doctor, it takes the, the average doctor 12 years to go from, from med school and on into their residency before they become a doctor? 12 years, that's, that's three election cycles. That's a lot of change, that's a lot of promises, kept promises and broken promises. 12 years is plenty of time for your dreams to come true or your dreams to be shattered. In Luke chapter eight, Jesus encounters two different people, both of whom have a story that's been taking 12 years to be told. One man, Jairus, has a daughter. She's 12 years old, and she's sick. She's dying. She is desperately in need of Jesus' touch. And the other person is a woman who ha she herself has been sick for 12 years. She has a pain. She has a bleeding that, that won't stop. One of them would trade everything for just one more minute, and the other one can't take one minute more. We begin their story in Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 40. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue, and falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for twelve years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? And all denied it. Peter said, Master, the, the crowd surrounding you uh, and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned. 
And she got up at once, and he directed that something be given to her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Nothing in these two stories indicates that they knew each other, that they had any connection at all. But by the end of the story, they have one big connection, and that is Jesus himself. I think about the people I've gone to church with over the years, people from different walks of life, people from different jobs, people with different professions, different education levels, different stories. But one thing in common, that at the end of their searching, at the end of some long struggles, they all found Jesus. And in finding him, they found hope and they found peace. There's much that's similar in these two stories here. And yet there's also so much that's different. Maybe you've been wondering about Jesus. Maybe these, maybe these months have given you some time to, to think things through. Maybe you're wondering what he has to offer you, what he can really do for you, or what Jesus can do for someone that you love. I can tell you, I can tell you that there is hope to be found in Jesus. And these stories tell us that. These stories show us that hope comes when you reach out. Hope comes when you reach out to Jesus. Now that happens in both the story of Jairus' daughter and the story of the woman who's suffering from the bleeding. Now, both of them in their pain and in their problem, both of them dealing with something that they themselves can't fix. Both of them reach out to Jesus to see if he can help. And in both situations, Jesus changes their lives, but it begins with them reaching out. You notice the difference, though. For Jairus, this is something he's thought about. This is something that's planned. He's, he's thought this through. He's calculated. His, his 12-year-old daughter is sick and dying. The doctors have not been able to do anything for her. This is not the kind of disease where we wait and see, and maybe the person gets better. Nothing is helping. And he hears that Jesus is back in town. And a crowd is gathered to welcome him. So Jairus runs to meet Jesus. He falls at his feet, and he begs him, begs him to come to his house and heal his daughter. And as Jesus is on his way to Jairus's house, the crowd is pressing in on him, and it's there in that crowd that this woman who has had a, a hemorrhaging for 12 years is in the crowd. And verse, four, verse 43 tells us that she has exhausted all of her savings on doctors, and they have not been able to help her. And so she, she takes a chance for her, it's spontaneous. It's, it's desperate, and yet it's hopeful. She reaches out and touches Jesus's robe, and she is healed. You know, I've known people who have reached out, and reached out to Jesus in both ways. I can tell you of a friend I have who carefully thought his faith through, Someone who weighed his option, who measured his options and asked questions. Is Jesus for real? Is he real? Uh, can I trust him? Can I trust him to change my life? Is it worth it? Is it worth it to follow him? 
And then I could tell you other friends who in a moment of desperation with nowhere else to turn, they reached out and they found the hope that they needed as well. The Bible does not say there's a right way or a wrong way to reach out to Jesus. It simply promises that when you do, you find hope, you find forgiveness, you find peace, you find salvation. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 10, verse 12, everyone, everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whatever the need, whatever the pain, whether we've overthought it or whether it's a split second decision, when you reach out to Jesus, you find hope. And along with that hope, when you reach out to Jesus, one of the most beautiful things that he offers you is he offers you relationship with him. I need, I need to ask you to, to come with me to a different world for just a moment, a, a world that you're really not probably familiar with. You know some things about it, but you know them academically. Chances are you know the facts, but you've never really moved beyond that. I need you to come with me to a place in your mind, in your heart, where you feel what this woman has felt for the last 12 years. For 12 years, the, the bleeding has never ended. It's 12 years of constantly cleaning herself up, 12 years of feeling miserable, feeling hopeless. But there is so much more that she's feeling, and it's all heartbreaking. The Jewish people, as you likely know, lived under a set of cleanliness laws and, uh, that are found in the Old Testament. There's a lot of them. I need to take you back there for just a moment into the Old Testament to hear this passage and hear how it crushed her. In Leviticus chapter 15, verses 25 through 27, it's there that we read, if a woman has a discharge of blood for many days, not at the time of her menstrual impurity, or if she has a discharge beyond the time of her impurity. All the days of the discharge, she shall continue in uncleanness. As in the days of her impurity, she shall be unclean. Every bed on which she lies, all the days of her discharge shall be to her as a bed of impurity, and everything on which she sits shall be unclean as in the uncleanness of her menstrual impurity. And whoever touches these things shall be unclean and shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until evening. All these days... 12 years, 12 years. We can only speculate about what might have happened during those 12 years. But that's 12 years, 12 years of sleeping alone. That's 12 years of sitting alone. That's 12 years without hugs, 12 years having to sit off to the side at family gatherings, having to take your meals alone. That's that's 12 years without holding your children. And in 12 years, that's plenty of time to never get to hold your grandchildren born during those 12 years. That's 12 years of a constant 
seeping reminder that you are unclean, that you are unworthy, that you are unwelcome, that you do not belong. And so she reaches out and she touches the fringe of Jesus's robe. If she had if she had touched him, she could have made him unclean. She touches his robe and she is healed instantly. Instantly she can feel it. She is whole. She is clean. And what does Jesus say to her? Look in verse 48. He said to her, daughter, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. He calls her daughter. Do you know that's the only time in all of Scripture where Jesus calls someone daughter? It's the only time he speaks in terms of relationship like that. He doesn't even call Jairus' daughter daughter. But he knows this. He knows this is more than just about her sickness. He knows this is a sickness of her soul. He knows what she has been missing and longing for for 12 years. She has been grieving the loss of community, of family, for 12 years. Hear what Jesus communicates to this one person in the midst of a huge crowd. What he says to her in that word, daughter, he says, you belong. You belong to me, daughter. You are treasured daughter. You are mine, daughter. You know, I, I have two daughters. I have two daughters. I treasure them so much. They mean the world to me. I've been in churches where we have that tradition of calling each other brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. And those aren't just titles. Those aren't titles at all. Those are reminders that we are in a relationship that out there, out there in the world, you, you may have been an outcast. Out there in the world, you may have been an outsider. Out in the world, you may have even been unclean. But through Jesus, we are family. Through Jesus, you belong to me. You belong to us. You reach out to Jesus and you find hope. He reaches into you. And he brings you into relationship with him. And from these stories of these two people, we also see that Jesus restores life even when all hope seems gone. The story of Jesus healing the woman with the bleeding, it is a precious story. It is an amazing story. It's a beautiful story. But it's also a costly story. Because in that time that Jesus speaks with her, verse 49 tells us that while he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. They believed that the situation was now hopeless, that there was nothing that Jesus could do for her. While she was alive, sure, while she was alive, Jesus could heal. But now she's gone. Jairus' desperation had been pointless. His daughter was dead. All hope is gone. But what does Jesus say? 
Jesus says to, to Jairus, do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. Do not fear. Fear what exactly? Do not fear what? You know, I, I've known those who have desperately wanted healing for a loved one. And when healing didn't come and that loved one passed away, there was grief, there was disappointment, there was regret, but there wasn't fear. Do not fear. That's about the words of those who had told Jairus that it was hopeless. Jesus can't fix this. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Have you encountered those who have told you what's hopeless in your life? Have you encountered those that have been glad to tell you what's hopeless in your own life? That you're never going to get through this, that it's never going to get better, that it is hopeless, that you are hopeless. Have you ever been afraid that they're right? Hear Jesus' words for yourself. Do not fear. Only believe and you will be well. It's interesting to note right there, the word translated, the one word that's translated, she will be well, could just as easily be translated, she will be saved. He's not just speaking to Jairus. He's speaking to all of us, all of us who have ever felt like we were beyond saving, beyond hope, beyond making a, a real change in our lives, and that there's no point in reaching out to Jesus because there's nothing he can do for us. Verse 54 says, But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. It's an interesting thing to note here that in Greek, the word spirit and the word breath are the same word. Spirit and breath both mean the same thing. And so there where it says her spirit returned, it could easily be translated she could breathe again. If you've ever felt the suffocating force of your own hopelessness, if you've known that weight on your chest, that weight of, of loneliness, that weight of feeling like you don't belong, Jesus offers you hope. He offers you relationship and he offers you restoration. Jesus restores life even when all hope seems gone. We take one last look at the story of the woman healed from the bleeding. You'll notice in verse 48, the last thing that Jesus says to her is, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. It might sound, might sound familiar to you. A few weeks ago when we were in Luke chapter 7, we looked at the story of Jesus being anointed by a sinful woman, a sinful woman. All she was known for, the, the way she was identified, she was identified by the wrong that she had done. She was identified by her sin, by the mistakes that she had made. And yet the last thing that Jesus said to her in chapter 7, verse 50, the last thing he said to her was, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And here he says to this woman, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. In the original language, 
It's exactly the same phrase, word for word. Saved and made you well is the same word. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. That tells us that there's a consistency to Jesus's promise. And it's a consistency that is found by sinners and seekers alike. It's found by those who have been consumed by their mistakes, by their guilt, by their shame, and for those who have been consumed by the pain that they've carried around for far too long. And the promise for all who reach out to Jesus rings out again and again, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith, your belief that Jesus can save you, that Jesus can forgive you, that Jesus can make you whole. Maybe, maybe today it doesn't feel like faith. Maybe where you are today, it feels a little like desperation. Maybe it feels like, what have I got to lose? If I reach out, maybe, maybe he can save you. And I'm here to tell you he can. And more than that, he welcomes you into his family daughters, and sons. You know, week after week as we meet together, we take communion together. We come to the table together to remind ourselves of our relationship with Jesus, that by his blood, he has saved us. But more than that, it's also about our relationship with each other, that by his blood, he has bound us together. Brothers and sisters, we belong to each other. And so when peace is so hard to find within ourselves, when peace is impossible to find in our world, we can find peace with one another. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the promise of peace. We thank you that when we come to Jesus, no matter where we've been, no matter what we've been through, we find that when we reach out to him, he is there to welcome us in. He is there to forgive. He's there to call us his own daughters and sons. Today, as we partake in our homes and maybe by ourselves or maybe with family or even with friends, Lord, we, we take the bread and we take the cup to remind ourselves that that promise comes with a price and that payment was made for us. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the willingness to go to the cross. We thank you for the peace that it, that it gives us. We thank you for the salvation that it promises us. I pray for my friends today. Uh, whether they've reached out yet or not, I pray they know that your son is available to them. I pray they know his presence is right there, that all they need to do is reach out, call in his name, and they can know, they can know his salvation. We love you. We thank you for the way you love us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today, go in peace. God bless.